0: Hello lovelies and welcome to another episode of Sybil for Sex, the show where we talk about the wild, the mild, and everything between the sheets. So if you've been listening for the past couple of weeks, you'll notice that I changed that tagline just a bit. Um, and this will give you some insight into next week's episode, um, where I have a fantastic conversation with a sex coach. and. They uh, helped me to remember that kink is not always tied to sex, and so I want, um, I want my podcast to be reflective of that, and I appreciate them pointing that out and reminding me of that. Um, so that is an episode that you are not going to want to miss. It is so good and so interesting, and I won't, I won't uh, talk about that too much because um, we also have a fucking fantastic interview today. Oh man, so good. So good. So good. Ooh, man, my voice is off. Um anyway. I uh, I've had a busy week. Your girl has been very busy. She a busy bitch. She always a busy bitch. Um But it's been fun. Overall, um again it's been a, a net positive week. I'm working on a a video tonight. Uh this is the first video that I've done with my boyfriend. Um, and it's a request for, um, somebody that I've worked with before who's, you know, really awesome and respectful and, uh, pays me what I'm worth, which is fantastic. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's exciting. And it's also a little bit nerve wracking, um, because, you know, I'm essentially, it, it, I don't know, working in front of your partner is just weird. <laughs> um, but it'll be fun. It'll be lots of fun. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for that. So shitheads of the week. Um, once again, I've had, uh, I haven't had too many terrible encounters this week, um, which is great. So instead I'm going to share with you, um, an encounter that my friend had last week and, uh, you know, I want to have a whole episode on sugar dating because there's a lot of misconception around it and uh, a lot of falsehoods that need to be addressed. Um, but my friend is a, a sugar baby and she is on the website seeking.com and uh, she was chatting with a man and they had an agreement and they... Then he says, "Actually, I thought about it, and um, I don't want to do a financial agreement uh, because that will that will risk my privacy." And I lost my fucking top because she is exposing her nude body to you to a strange man she does not know she is inviting a strange man she does not know into her home and she is letting you inside of her and you're worried about your own privacy oh bitch i wanted to flip a fucking table fortunately uh my friend replied saying um salt daddy alert like if you want free sex go to tinder um, which is completely appropriate. Cause I was like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? And I'm like, how in the fuck is that gonna, like, how does that affect your privacy? Like, give cash, use cash app, use PayPal. There are so many fucking options. Like, go fuck yourself. Um, so if you were out there and you are a, a, a salt papa or a, a splendid daddy, then you can fuck right off. You can fuck right off. Okay pay us what we're worth or fuck right off. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, but yeah, I was fucking pissed. And uh, let me tell you the reason that I was pissed. Like, I think it's pretty evident why I was pissed, but um, more so than that, like when you are, fortunately, like my friend is my age, um, but when you are young, it's, it's much easier to take advantage of you. Um, and I can relate to that. So when I was oh, 18 or 19, let me start by saying I was incapable of making good decisions at 18 or 19. Um, I don't think that being a sugar baby is a bad decision. I don't think that uh, being a sex worker is a bad decision. Obviously, I'm, st- I'm still a sex worker today. Um, I have dabbled in um, the, the sugar lifestyle, the sugar bowl, if you will. Um, so that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I worked with people. Who were bad decisions, and I worked with somebody who was a photographer, and he um, asked me to model for him, and I agreed, and then he proposed, um, essentially a sugar relationship, and I said yes, and I let him fuck me, and right before i left he said i'm not going to pay you because that cheapens you and i knew that was not okay but in that moment i mean i'm a 19 year old girl i'm five foot three i always have been five foot three not the strongest person in the world even though i pretend to be and i also did not have the confidence to stand up for myself at that point in time um, and he probably had like a good foot on me and we were alone in his house so I didn't say anything and I really I really wish that I would have I wish I would have spoken up but like I said sometimes you don't have the experience you don't have the confidence and uh, so that's really that's really a part of the reason that I want to do a full episode on sugar dating is so that, you know, people don't get scammed like I was. And also so that way we can, you know, teach, teach uh, sugar daddies and sugar mamas how to be better and how to actually be a sugar daddy and a sugar mama. Um, That would be lovely, but Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna have that friend on sometime. Um, our schedules have been a little bit hectic lately, um, but we will definitely, you know, drink wine and sit in my closet and have a good time. Um, but anywho, uh, this week I will celebrate, uh, New Jersey Milkmaid, and they are on Reddit. And, uh, for those of you who don't know, I have a fun little lactation kink. Um... So I posted a photo. Um, I'm also working on inducing lactation. uh, Which is possible. So I also want to do a full episode on what that process has been like. And, uh, you know, sharing with you a kink that isn't super mainstream. Not something that you hear about uh, very often. But it's a thing. And I have it. (laughs) Uh, But I posted on subreddit. um, Specifically for lactation. um, Erotic lactation. And uh the new jersey milkmaid uh responded saying that they like loved my work and um that they appreciated me adding to the community and uh that was really nice you know especially because like i i mean i'm still just getting like drops essentially um so it was cool it and it definitely like made me want to continue um working on inducing so that was awesome, and I love, I love sex workers, supporting sex workers, uh, I think that's really beautiful. And now, let me tell you about this week's guest, because she is fucking phenomenal! Oh, I had such a good time during our conversation, I had so much fucking fun. I, I wanna be her friend, I wanna hang out with her, um, you know, she probably doesn't need any more friends, but I wanna be your friend. Um, she has such an inspiring story and she's so real and open and honest and I'm incredibly incredibly grateful to have had the opportunity to have this amazing amazing discussion. I'm so grateful. She is a a single parent. She is a burlesque performer. She is an author she has a degree in psychology she is a volunteer she is an advocate she is a pinup model this is a real renaissance woman we're working with here i don't know how she has the energy to do it all because i mean i get tired just getting out of bed in the morning like i i wake up i put my feet on the ground and i'm like time for bed yet And, like, she's just out here doing bad bitch things. She's also a costume designer. Fuck me! Fuck me! (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, You are going to love this conversation. You are going to love our guest today. I have no doubt about it. All the way from Salt Lake City, we have the bountiest babe from a bygone era, Miss Victory Red. Awesome. Well, welcome, Miss Victory. I'm so excited to have you.
1: Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Oh,
0: fabulous. I am so impressed um, by humans who seem to be able to do absolutely everything, and you fall into that category for oh. me. <laughs> well,
1: thank you. I think. Um. <laughs> I, I don't feel, well, I mean, I have I have a psychology degree, so I self-diagnose myself constantly as well as other people but mostly myself. It's probably a trauma response, just trying to like keep myself super busy all the time. So I don't know how healthy it is, but I also enjoy it. So if this is my coping mechanism, maybe not the healthiest, but I like it. So I'm gonna just keep doing it until I burn out. It's fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. That totally <laughs> that, that sounds right. <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean just the amount of things that you are doing at a given point in time is amazing. And as somebody, so I just learned uh spoon theory. Mm. Um, and I am like, oh wow, that totally relates for me. So like when people are able to do so much, I'm just like, how? Can you bottle it up and give it to me, please?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on
0: that. Thank, so you, thank you. you. You're welcome. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Um, but if you could please tell us a little bit about uh all the work that you do.
1: Well, I guess the the first thing that I usually tell people about myself is that I'm a single parent. And I have been for 12, almost 13 years now. Uh, it, it gets easier in some ways and harder in other ways. My ex-husband lives on the other side of the country. So wow. my kiddo spends um, summers with him generally, but the rest of the time it's all me. Uh the, I guess, that I, I don't know anything different than single parenting. So in in some ways, I, I can't wrap my head around, what would it be like to have, you know, help in the house from another adult? I don't know, because I've never had that, um, or at least not had that since my kiddo was a wee babe. Um, my child is transgender, uh, uses they, them pronouns. So that has certainly shaped a lot of what I've done in the past several years. I'm queer myself, but I'm cis. So when my kiddo came out, um, I mean, I have a lot of transgender friends. I, you know, have no issue with that in, in terms of acceptance, but I did not understand just what a shit show it can be trying to get people to accept you for who you are. And even simple, well, quote unquote, simple things like using the right name and the right pronouns and all of that. It's it's a constant, like having to go in and talk to somebody. And I was, I was happy to shoulder that work. So I'm like, well, you know, fuck, I'm your parent. I should be doing all of this. But I just was so naive about kind of the daily struggle in terms of of that kind of an emotional you know impact I, i'd never you know again my privilege i'd never had to think about it so uh at that point my kiddo came out in late 2018. so in 2019 i decided to go back to school and get a degree in psychology so i could be kind of a better advocate and that for me turned a lot of things on its head um so those are usually the first things that I bring up when I tell somebody about myself, uh, because it does shape a lot of other things. For sure, I am also a burlesque performer, and a lot of people are like, "Well, how does that work with your teenage kid?" Uh, my my kid, Skylar knows everything. Like. We're very open, we're very sex positive, we talk about, that's like the upside, I think, of being a single parent, at least in my situation, is my kiddo and I have a very close relationship, we're very open about things. Yes, I have those moments where I'm like, oh my God, Skylar, I could have gone my whole life not ever knowing that, but I'm glad that they tell me all of these things they stumble across on the internet, so <laughs> it's fine. I didn't know I porn was a thing until my kid told me about it. Thank I you, either. Skylar, oh God. I can't stand anything to do with eyeballs because, but yeah, anyway, yeah. I learned things from my kid, so <laughs> hey, mom, me. I'm gonna go. <laughs> mm. Yeah, like, no, I didn't, but thanks for putting that into my head now. <laughs> not my thing, but if you're into it, great, but also don't lick each other's eyeballs. It's so unsanitary. Please don't do it. <laughs> oh, <I laughs> There's, no so There's no way to protect. no way. So, yeah, we, uh, You know, my kiddo sees me, like, rehearsing and, you know, I'm like, hey, I got this burlesque show tonight, so I'll see you in a couple hours. Call me if you need anything. They know. They know what's going on. Uh, We're just kind of a creative little household. So uh, my background initially, before I went to psychology, was in film. Um, When I was very, very young, I wanted to direct movies and write screenplays and do some acting. So screenwriting has kind of been my thing thing uh and then last year i decided to write a novel based on my stage persona and that was a completely new thing for screenwriting and novel writing are very different beasts uh so it was interesting to to take that route but it's it's been fun i like pushing myself just a little bit i'm kind of an not kind of. I'm definitely an extrovert and introvert. So going back to your spoon theory, I I don't have to use a lot of spoons to like write or costume design or choreograph. Where my spoons get really, really taken up is in any kind of like social interaction. Uh, That for me is where I'm like, oh god, okay, going to a show, I'll be interacting with people. That's like 10 spoons right there. And not that I don't like people, that's just kind of how I'm wired. So on the one hand, most of the activities that I engage in are sort of solitary, I guess. <laughs> so for me, it doesn't feel like it's exacting a huge toll, you know, on my emotional resources or creative resources, um, but like going to a party, I, I'm, I'm going to need like two, two to three days in bed afterwards just because of that. So um, yeah, I right now I'm not working. I had been accepted to a graduate school in rhode island uh which is very many states away from where i'm currently living in utah and because of the housing crisis we couldn't find anywhere to live so i had like quit my job of 12 years and had all these things in motion and then all of a sudden it was like fuck we can live nowhere um it's a mess so i've had to put that on hold so i'm kind of looking for a job I'm doing some volunteer work right now with uh, the Densho Project, which is kind of like a digital archive for Japanese-American history. Oh, wow! And uh, what I've been working on is cataloging names that show up in the newsletters that the concentration camps during World War II for Japanese-Americans. So these are United States concentration camps. I refuse to call them internment camps. We're going to call them what they were. Yeah. Um, they all put out newsletters. and what i'm doing is basically like going through and finding all of the names and just kind of cataloging where they appear so that they can create you know oh just put in the name of your loved one and then all of these things will all these links will come up mm-hmm. uh so i just started that and it's been good but horrible at the same <laughs> time not horrible yeah. but just i mean you see the you know that they were there there was one in utah and i've been to the site and i've been to the museum but when you see these names and these stories and you start to, you know, go like, oh, OK, well, this person was like the social organizer of all the things going on. And you you really start to get a sense of you know, who they were. And they're not just like, oh, people were in these concentration camps. Like now I'm seeing names and I'm seeing names come up over and over again. And then I see a name that I knew show up in, oh, this person, you know, this, this guy was killed in battle. Um, you know, in Italy or Germany or wherever and it's like fuck I knew you Henry no you know yeah. so it's been again, I I guess my privilege needs to be challenged every day and this was a very eye-opening experience for me and that was like I really took off on that one question you asked me and threw in like 79 different subjects so sorry no,
0: I'm not mad about it um, <laughs> Like I said, you are like, uh like a renaissance woman
1: <laughs> <Thank you. laughs>
0: um but yeah i i mean i think that being a mom is like being a superhero anyways like that is that is a full-time job and then yes being a single mom um and then yeah trying to advocate for your child mm-hmm. is is it's hard yeah i mean it's just hard across the board right. um and so yeah having the energy or maybe not even the energy, but the the <laughs> desire to do all of these other things is just amazing. Um, but I'm curious uh, how how did
1: you get into burlesque? That's, I so I was thinking about that because <laughs> I I knew that was going to be one of the questions. Sort of in a roundabout way, I the the very simple answer is. And i don't know if it's like this everywhere but in utah there's there's a pretty significant overlap between the belly dancing community and the burlesque community um so i was involved in belly dance for several years and that's pretty much how i got into it but i really i think at its core i have to go back a lot further than that uh when i and i'm much older than you But when I was a young teen, uh, my my sense of aesthetics... Well, you know what? Let's go back even further. My (laughs) earliest childhood memory, and this is no lie, this is as far back as I can go. I can't go any further back than this. Uh, When I was about four, my earliest childhood memory is watching the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark with my parents. Now, I don't know how suitable that is for a four-year-old, but they probably thought, oh, she'll never remember this. And it it's like the first memory I have. So that, that's cool. Um, <laughs> pretty sure they closed my eyes for the melting Nazis part. But <laughs> I, Marion Ravenwood, who's the female protagonist in the movie, if you've never seen this movie, just fucking go watch this movie. It's a classic. It makes <laughs> it me feel even older. But uh, it's set in the late 30s. And she was just like everything I wanted to be. Her and Princess Leia growing up; those were ah, oh, like the two women that I wanted to like make out with, but also be. Mm-hmm. So that makes me feel like a little bit of a narcissistic Loki saying that. But I just that was really I was very impressed by by Marion Ravenwood and by that whole aesthetic of the late '30s. So then we kind of fast forward a little bit to. The Rocketeer comes out it's this kind of cheesy Disney movie with Timothy Dalton and I mean Jennifer Connolly who's a babe it's not a great movie but I still love it that made a bigger impression on me as a teenager I was like I I want that aesthetic that's what I want so around that time and then of course being interested in film I start diving into these you know kind of film noir movies and you know Marilyn Monroe movies and going through that and I've always since then, But I guess always, since I can remember, kind of been in love with that time period. So loving that vintage retro aesthetic, but not knowing how to express it as a teenager, like early 90s does 40s, wasn't super a thing. Um, And anytime I sort of tried to do it, people around me were like, why do you look so old? And I was like, oh, fuck, fine. I guess I won't do this. But it's always been a part of me. I've always liked the big band music. I've always, you know, and people, when I was a teenager, thought I was just posturing, but I really did like it. So then, now we can fast forward back to the, I'm involved in belly dance, and uh, another belly dancer was putting on, and she marketed it specifically as a 1940s burlesque workshop. So I was like, fuck yes, I'm gonna go do this, Don't know how I feel about like taking my clothes off, but it's, it's a workshop and she'd made it clear, you know, you're not going to have to strip in this. We're just going to learn some dance moves and some things. And I was like, cool. So I did that and I was fucking hooked from there. So my roots for burlesque are very 1940s based and that's how I, that's how I got into it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so in Madison, um, where I am, like our scene is very neo burlesque, Mm -hmm. um, which is which is so fun. Um, What is the scene like in Salt Lake City? Is it more of a mix or because I know you are classically trained, correct? Yes.
1: Yes, I have. Well, and I have a background in ballet. I was a ballerina from the time I was very, very young up through college when it was just getting so cutthroat and competitive. And I hate that shit. I just, I, I'm, I'm very much a Libra and I'm a very highly sensitive person. So I do not like, I don't like those competitions. I don't like anything that, that I feel like someone's going to feel bad. I mean, I don't want me to feel bad, but I don't want anybody to feel bad. And I don't like having to be kind of nasty and like black swan to get the part. So I was like, yeah, I think I'm done with this now. Um, And then I didn't do anything for a while, and uh, then I got pregnant, and then my body went completely bonkers, and so belly dance was a way for me to get back into dance, where I couldn't physically do ballet anymore, Uh, but my mentor, uh, Cairo Duchess, she is one of the, she's no longer in Utah, which breaks my heart, although I'm happy for her to get out, because Utah's not the most fun place to be all the time, especially if you're not Mormon. Um, But she and uh, a dear friend of hers named Candy, who's a transgender woman, they kind of helped bring burlesque into Utah. uh, And they both really loved that kind of 1940s feel. So most of their students carry that kind of super classic burlesque vibe but there's also a very thriving neo burlesque vibe so i would say it's fairly mixed i don't think there are as many of us who do you know classic classic burlesque but we all have our own our own spin on it which i think is super cool so like mine is very dance oriented there's uh yes there's the stripping that goes on with it but for me my main my my focus when i choreograph it's dance and it's like oh fuck yeah i gotta take my clothes off so trying to like go back and rework that in somewhere um but not everybody's like that and so that's one of the things that i do really like about the utah burlesque scene is that it's so diverse in in all of its expressions
0: yeah i feel like burlesque in general so i always encourage people to go check out a burlesque show because Mm. it is it is life-changing it really is. And, um, you know, here in Wisconsin, uh, we have Miss Mercury Stardust, um, who runs the Wisconsin Burlesque Association. And she always says, uh, everybody is a burlesque body. And it's so true. Yeah. I mean, you see different bodies, different genders, different different colors, different spins. And that's and that's really what draws me to burlesque. I'm like getting like goosebumps just like talking about it (laughs) because it's so it's such a inviting creative powerhouse and Mm -hmm. so you can see something that is fucking weird you know we've got some performers who do some really weird shit you can see stuff that's you know gory you can see Mm -hmm. stuff that's beautiful that's moving you can see stuff that's downright sexy um you know when I my first performance I came out dressed as a crab and i had crab claws and oh, i took man. my clothes off and i i kept the crab claws on the whole time and the last thing to come off i like made a shell uh uh-huh. and so i like that was the last thing to come off and um somebody was like it was weirdly sexy and i was like
1: perfect that's what i'm going for oh, wow. i have a thing for mr crabs from spongebob so that's like <laughs> hella sexy from where i'm sitting <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm going to need a video of this act, please. And then like 20 minutes alone. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Uh it's on my Instagram. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um but yeah, it's such an amazing creative outlet. Yeah. Um and I do think it's so important and I have a good friend who um she had kind of struggled with her body image mm-hmm. and we started going to burlesque shows cuz like you once I found it, I was going every week. I was like if I can go twice a week fuck yeah we're doing it um and so she was like you know that has helped my body image so much and mm. she's like you know now i show my thighs which was a big deal for her yeah so i just i love that burlesque can can bring that confidence out in people Yeah. Um, so i know you mentioned that uh belly dance was a way for you to kind of like connect back with your body. Yes. How would you describe your journey with oh. your body as you've kind of transitioned into burlesque?
1: You know, it's it's an ever evolving journey. I I really identify as a dancer even when I'm not dancing, so when I'm not dancing, I don't feel as good about myself and because there's that part of me that's not being, you know, exercised and fulfilled. So, you know, but having gained so much weight, I was, I was skinny uh, for the first half of my life. So being, you know, plus sized after the pregnancy and childbirth and everything was really hard for me. And I... I know this is so typical of, you know, ballet dancers or whatever, but yes, I had eating disorders and things like that. So have I ever felt good about my body? No, (laughs) not, not that I can remember. Uh, When I was really little, I felt like I was too skinny and then I was too fat and then I was skinny, but thought I was fat. And this is not unusual for a lot of people, unfortunately. Um, So belly dance felt for me very doable, not just in terms of what my body was able to handle dance-wise, but for what I thought my body type could be accepted as, uh, dance-wise. That helped me start to heal some other things. Uh, I'm also a sexual assault survivor, and so unexpectedly, I I started, one of the things that I hadn't really, I I hadn't pulled those threads apart at the time, but when that happens and again i'm kind of looking at this both as my own personal experience and now what i know with my psychology education you get a sense that your body's not your own that somebody's taken something from you and, and they have um trying to reclaim that sense of identity like my body is mine it's not just what happened to me it's not what that person did to me that is fucking hard that's a tough journey and Belly dance kind of helped me start that process of getting it back, but burlesque is where I've really found that healing because it's so, for me, it's it's 100% in my control. It's my act. It's usually my choreography. It's what I choose to show or not show. So for me, burlesque is really about control and it's about taking my body back. Fuck you. This is mine. I'm either going to show it to you or I'm not. We'll see how I'm feeling. So, and I will say that the the laws in Utah make it so that you can't show everything that you may want to show. Um, but it it still was a way for me to to just really say, hey, this this is me and this is mine. Step off. But what I didn't really consider. Beyond that was i've I've had people who have come up to me later because I still struggle with my body image. And I don't know that that's gonna go away anytime soon because it's a lifetime of hating my body. That's that takes a long time to undo. But people are like, I saw you in a burlesque show, and it made me feel like my body could do burlesque. And I'm like, oh, well, then, fuck yeah, that's awesome. but i I still recognize that I don't have the body that most people think of when it comes to, stripping or burlesque or sex work or anything like that or modeling or fucking anything so there's kind of that constant battle of like no i'm okay with with this and then on the other side no my body sucks and i hate it and i think that it's important that we acknowledge that battle Mm -hmm. um i i do think there is a a very real problem that we have in society of toxic positivity. Um, I mean, I I have a certificate in applied positive psychology. So I I know the benefits of positive psychology, but the downside is pretending like it's all positive because it's not. Mm -hmm. So being able to acknowledge, yeah, I fucking struggle with my body image. That's important. Yes, I love my body. And yes, I sometimes hate my body. And that's just Mm -hmm. normal, I think but when we try to just like, oh yeah, body positivity, body positivity. Well, let's kind of acknowledge just body acceptance. Like maybe it's not what I want it to be, but I still love it for what it can do and where it can take me. So I forgot your original question, but there's, there's some words for you.
0: No, it was, it was perfect. You're doing great. Thanks. (laughs) But but yeah, I, um, so I also am like, ah, oh, fuck toxic positivity, because mm-hmm. those are the people who are like, everything happens for a reason. And I'm like, fuck um, you. What's the goddamn reason?
1: Yeah, um, no, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes yeah, shit exactly. just happens and there is no reason. <laughs>
0: right. So I, um, I instead of using positivity, I look more towards optimism. Um,
1: yeah.
0: uh, Dr. Deepika Chopra uh, kind of says, like, optimism is where, like, hope and curiosity meet.
1: And I love mm-hmm. that.
0: So I can be optimistic and still be like, yeah, sometimes I don't feel great about my body. Yeah. But like, and I think where it gets where it gets kind of complicated is being somebody who does believe that like all bodies are are worthy of love and affection and mm-hmm. we you know, should appreciate, you know, the bodies that we have. Um, it sucks to sometimes be like, I don't like the way this jiggles, I don't like this, this stretch mark. Um And yeah, I think, you know, we need to talk about it because we also, you know, have days where it's like, fuck yeah, look at me. Like, Mm -hmm. I am a bad bitch and I'm rocking the fuck out of this bikini. And other days I'm like, get that bikini away from me. Give me a one piece (laughs) and a muumuu. Like, (laughs) and both of those are okay in a a balance.
1: Well, they're perfectly valid and, and very, very normal to yeah. to feel that way. And it's you know, my belief is that really everything is a spectrum, including, you know, self-esteem. And and my focus has been trying to shift more away from self-esteem and towards self-compassion because it's so easy for me to look at other any other body and find the beauty in that other body, but finding it in my own body is fucking hard. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more about self-acceptance and learning to, you know, Take the acceptance I give to others and apply it inward. I, I do think that that for most people that is really difficult. So yeah, you got to acknowledge that that it it's okay, and the journey is never linear. So you're yeah. gonna have days. You can have like weeks where you're just like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm feeling great, and then you're gonna have weeks where you don't. And it doesn't mean you've gone backwards. It just means you're a human being.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I I think that's perfectly phrased. Um.
0: I, I'm also a little bit curious. So I think that everybody kind of has their own um, creative process when it comes mm-hmm. to creating uh, burlesque routines. Mm-hmm. What Can you give us a little bit of insight as to like what sparks that creativity for you?
1: Yeah, sure. So for me, I'm one of those dancers that goes by the music. I've never been a counter dancer, yeah, so kidding. whenever I've run into like someone else's choreography where they're like, okay, and then on five, six, seven, eight, and I'm like, where the fuck are 5, 6, 7, eight? What? Tell me what the music's doing, because that's how I cue myself, and I've always been that way. So, for me, 99.9% of the time, it starts with the music. I will hear a song, and my kiddo will tell you this, I'll hear a song and be like, oh, fuck, I want to dance to this, and then I listen to it 39 times in a row. Uh, my child hates that, especially when they're in their car. I'm like, play it again, play it again, play it again. <laughs> so that for me is usually where it starts. Although um, with my nerdlesque that I do sometimes, that usually starts with a character. Uh, but I would say most of the time, it's going to be a piece of music that speaks to me in some way or just really inspires choreography, like right out of the get-go. Mm-hmm. I struggle... If someone gives me a song and they're like, this is what we're going to do. And I'm like, I don't like this song. (laughs) Then I I have a hard time. So for me, it all starts in the music and everything else kind of builds around that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot. I feel like a lot of people don't realize how much goes into putting an act together it's like you have the song you have the routine and then yeah like you said you have to figure out like oh fuck where do I take my clothes off Mm -hmm.
1: like
0: you have you know figuring out if you have any props and the costume I mean good god oh yeah it's a lot that goes into it yeah Um, so can you please tell us how your stage name came about I know you just (laughs) posted about this and I I thought it was such a fucking cool story
1: (laughs) uh so okay so (laughs) I, I, my, my entry into burlesque came super, super quick after that workshop. It was, I mean, Cairo was just, she, you know, connected, we connected really quickly and she knew that it was something I kind of wanted to do. So it went from like workshop to here, take my classes with my troop to, Hey, do you want to do a solo on our show coming up in? Oh, I don't know, two months. And I was like, I mean, okay, you know, (laughs) she's like, great. You need a stage name. And I was like. Fuck me. Because even with all my screenwriting, whatever else I've done, names are always really hard for me. So I I I didn't know. I, I was trying to think like, do I pay homage to like Josephine Baker and you know Sally Rand, some of these people from the past? I, I mean, I've got my love of Marilyn Monroe, Marion Ravenwood, like what the fuck do I do? But nothing felt right. So it was kind of like. Almost like a last minute thing. She was like, you need a stage name. And I was like, okay, well, I really am digging this lipstick from Bessame Cosmetics called Victory Red. Love it. It's been my favorite lipstick. It makes me feel good about myself. Let's just go with that. Like, sure. Fuck it. It's fine. Who cares? No one cares. And being, I mean, I'm a natural blonde, but I've been dyeing my hair mostly red for, you know, the last 20 years. So I was like, okay, well, whatever. It'll, it'll fit. Um... And that was fine until I entered my first burlesque competition, which I want to say was about two years, maybe a year or two after I got into burlesque. And it happened to be the same day as my very first pinup contest. And I lost both of them. (laughs) and I was like, oh, no. I can't use the name victory red. That sounds so presumptuous. Like, I'm just going to walk, like, Oh, victory. Like it's mine. Give it to me. And that's not who I am at all. Um, so I was like, okay, I got to change my name. So I, I started the process of, of changing it and it just didn't fit. Like it, it, it was a cool name, but I I was like, this doesn't really feel like me. And then I went through this period of like, should I quit burlesque? And oh, no. you know, had this whole oh, I do that like every year or two, or I'm <laughs> like, I should just fucking quit burlesque. And then I'm like, no, no, I I do it most of all. I do it for me. So we'll keep going with it. But I so I I really started thinking about okay, what what does Victory Red mean? What does it really mean for me? Going back, and, and I mentioned this in kind of the story I shared on social media, supposedly, I I have not fact-checked this, but knowing that Adolf Hitler was a giant misogynist and just garbage human being, um, and racist and homophobic and all those, yeah, fuck him. Mm-hmm. Uh, supposedly, he hated red lipstick on women. So during World War II, whether that was true or not, um, the idea came that that was a fact. So, one way to, you know, give Hitler the middle finger was for women to wear red lipstick. And Victory Red was a shade that was created in 1941. Um, I want to say by Elizabeth Arden, but I could be wrong. Um, So, a lot of women started wearing it. The army, um, military, U.S. armed forces, whatever, they actually commissioned a color called Montezuma Red for the women that were You know, whether it was in the uh, wasps or any other bracket of service that women were in involved with the military, they were supposed to wear that because it matched like the piping on their uniforms or some shit. But this whole idea of having that red lipstick as an act of defiance, as as a way to say, like you were saying earlier, it's optimism. It's not certain victory. It's going into something fucking hard and terrifying and saying, I'm going to meet it the best way I can. Put your best lips forward everybody <laughs> so that's what it has really come to mean for me is is not only does it have it its roots in like the 1940s which don't get me wrong super problematic I would have hated to be a queer woman in the 1940s uh but I love I still like I still have that love of the aesthetic so all things considered I feel like listen I've my burlesque career, my personal life, like all these things, I have gone through some shit and I'm still here and I'm still trying and I still have a soft heart. Yeah, Victory Red works for me because I'm not gonna give up and I wanna keep going and I wanna keep facing things. Not every day do I wear red lipstick, but most days I do and I do it for me because it helps me feel confident that I can get through whatever life throws at me, even if it's hard.
0: I love that so much. I, Aww, oh man, I must be like, all ages getting to me. Because I'm just dab your eyes. so, it's <laughs> so beautiful. Like, uh, I uh, Thank you for sharing that. Like that just. Well, thank you and, for asking. Yeah. And now I want everybody to wear red lipstick.
1: <laughs> <As laughs> I, mean, I think everybody can pull it off. So.
0: Oh, 100%. Go, like, go red get is good some... on everybody.
1: Yeah. Go get um, it.
0: But that uh, really nicely actually leads us into talking about your novel. Um, So please tell me, how did this idea to write a burlesque (laughs) mystery novel, which I would have to say is pretty niche. How did that come
1: about? I, (laughs) I feel like most things in my life come about in a really weird, random way that really only makes sense to me. But I... Was taking a virtual uh, character building class at BurleyCon. I can't remember the exact date. I just know it was in 2020. <laughs> like most people, there's life before the pandemic and then everything that's happened during, and it's all a blur. I can't tell you what happened when. Truly. So in this class, we were taken through, like, an exercise, um, and I remember the instructor, she just said, you know, close your eyes, and I want you to picture, I can't remember if she said it was, like, a first date or or what it was, but I, I closed my eyes, and I could hear the sounds of, like, silverware scraping on China, and me being me, it was taking place in the 40s, because that's where I... Like, I want that aesthetic around me all the time. And I suddenly just, it, it it was just from that one moment, I was like, I should write a fucking book. It, you know, you know how it was, bookings were not happening. Mm-hmm. I was struggling with digital platforms because I kind of am a, I guess, a vampire in that I feed off my audience to create my stage presence. <laughs> uh, so performing in like my living room was not doing it for me. So I thought this might be kind of a cool way to just, you know, market my brand as a burlesque dancer and have something to fall back on when the world goes to shit and I can't get out there and actually dance. And I started to kind of just formulate this story in my head and and even though I had a sense of who my stage persona was, I hadn't really dived in super deep to her background. So that's honestly where it started was just from that one little exercise. And it was just like, "Bring, I'm gonna do this. And then of course, as I'm writing it, things evolves uh, a little bit. There were some characters who really took off on their own, as happens frequently when you're writing. And I have kind of a love of true crime anyway, and I love film noir and those old like detective out of the past is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I wanted it to kind of have that feel to it, but I also wanted, it was, it was super important for me that one of my main characters was a Japanese American who had fought during the war because I just, number one, representation is such a, an important issue. And I think one of the uh, communities that gets overlooked a lot is the Asian American community. So for me and again, kind of knowing my World War II history pretty well uh, I just, I really needed him to have a central part in that story. So that's kind of where it started and then it just kind of just went. So I I was writing this the majority of it was written while I was on like my winter break between semesters because I was working full-time doing school full-time, full-time single mom. So you get into this habit of being super, super busy. And then all of a sudden I didn't have school for like a month. And I was like, well, what the fuck do I do with my, all this extra time while I'm just working and being a mom? Oh, all right. So that's kind of what I did. I knocked it out pretty quick. Um, but again, the struggle was, you know, where my background is in screenwriting, it, it has a completely different flow to it. And so it definitely brought up some challenges, but I I mean, I had fun with it. So I was like, even if it sucks and nobody reads it, like it was good for me. It was like masturbating. Like it's good for me. So fuck everyone else. I don't care.
0: <laughs> well, I can attest it is a very fun read and it reads very quickly.
1: Good. Um, Just but... like a screenplay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but the the character development and yeah like you were saying the the representation is there and I really enjoyed that so we had you know different different races we had different genders we had you know all kinds of people and I loved that um and the the scenery too I mean yeah the from right from the opening like sentence. It was like, oh, I can see this. I can see all of this. I can hear the
1: sounds like you did a great job with that. Thank you. Um, That makes me so happy to hear because that I really did want to have the reader feel like you were you were there.
0: Yeah. And I did. I felt like I was just like a, like a spectator. Like it it was beautiful. Um, Thanks. And I loved how you, how you wrote about the burlesque performances, because Mm -hmm. that's where I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. Cause like, there's nothing quite like being at a burlesque show. Right. But this, the scenery and the way that you kind of described it, and there were moments that were more slow and moments that were quicker. I was like,
1: she fucking did That was, that was definitely a little bit of a challenge was, was writing it. And the, the biggest thing for me with burlesque and, um, and again, in Utah, there's a lot of overlap in drag and burlesque. So it's burlesque feels very much like a, a safe space for the queer community in particular. And, and one of the things that struck me at one of my first shows was just how fucking safe and accepted I felt. Um, being you know bisexual I, I have the the privilege of straight passing a lot of times but I've also you know dated women and and felt kind of that fear like is it okay if I hold her hand in public like what that, that, that's always in the back of my mind so to be in that kind of safe space that above anything else was kind of what I wanted to illustrate was you know for my my character that's where she finally was like oh my god i i feel safe and i feel accepted even though nobody else knows that i'm queer i feel okay in in this moment and and with all the trauma that she'd experienced and things to have that moment for her was very very significant so i kind of hoped to to relay that a little bit
0: Yeah, it it definitely came through. And just like the whole supportive community, like, uh, same thing in Madison, like, we have a pretty, pretty supportive community here. It's not a lot of cutthroat. I know some areas are more so. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it was like, oh, that's so relatable. Like, everybody just being like, (laughs) "Hi, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that and that was my experience with with burlesque. And and, you know, I mentioned Cairo, who was my mentor, um, and Candy. So, a lot of the burlesque dancers in the novel are are real people um and and cairo definitely uh really made an impact on my life in a lot of ways and and candy um unfortunately i've never met her but it was important to me to have her as a character in in the novel because i wouldn't be experiencing what i'm experiencing now if not for her and cairo so um that was that was a big deal for me, and and also very scary to to be writing, you know, about a real person who I never met, but kind of felt like I had met because of you know the stories that I'd been told about her. So, it it really was more for me than anybody else. Um, but uh, if if you had fun reading it, then excellent, cherry on top. <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, but I feel like that's when we do our best work, like when it's not really for anybody else. Like it's just like from our heart spot, Yeah. like it just is what it is. Um, and another thing that I want to bring up is um, part of the proceeds from your novel go to a couple of different organizations. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about those?
1: Yes. So 20 uh, percent of the profits go to the Trevor Project which is a fantastic organization It has so many resources for um queer youth in particular and that's you know yeah i I have a, a queer teenager so obviously that's important to me and then my work in psychology going forward is going to be focusing on adolescents and teens um who are transgender specifically so uh the resources that the trevor project provides are just so Good, so accessible, not just if you're a teenager, but if you're a parent or an educator or a friend or anything. They just do so much good work. So I wanted to make sure that it because that's always on my mind. Our trans teens. Let's watch out for our kids. That's who we need to be protecting because they are the most vulnerable. Um and then the second organization that I'm donating twenty. So in total, 40% of the profits are donated between two different charities. Um The second one is GLCC, which is the Golden Legend Champion Challenge, and that is a, um, it's a competition, which I don't love because we know how I feel about competitions, but the cool thing about this organization is what they do is you submit your audition tape and then they uh, pair you with a burlesque legend, so someone who's been performing for years and years and years, and you... um, are able to access them as a mentor, and create an act together. So it kind of brings in the older with like the newer and for me as as an artist that's so important is to know kind of where we've come from and keep it alive. And I, I really view burlesque as like a living art because it is changing all the time. And I love that. And I also love that we still have the ability to kind of coordinate and, and work with and collaborate with, you know, individuals who've been doing it for so long. So um with GLCC, the 20% donations will go through the end of the year. And then with the next book that comes out, um which I'm working on now, it's still, I'm still going to have 20% go to the Trevor project and then I'm going to have another 20% go to the Den Show project because I really, really, really love what they're doing. Um, especially now having volunteered with them a little bit, it's even more important to me that, that their work um, is going to be funded. Uh, I'm doing a, like a book discussion slash signing, whatever, <laughs> on September 12th. And all of the merchandise that I sell there, uh, 50% of the profits are going to go to the Topaz Museum here in Utah. Um, Again, uh, Topaz was a concentration camp during World War II for Japanese Americans. Uh, Their facility is actually really, really good. I was a little bit dubious when I went to their museum. I'm like, what's this going to be like? But they're very open about, hey, we fucked up. This was fucking awful. We want to share some of these stories with you. So... I want to be able to kind of give back again sort of locally and just say, yeah, let's keep this going as well. And then, you know, the character James Matsumoto in my novel, he was, he and his family were at Topaz. So in in my story. Um, So that for me is it, it felt like weirdly personal, even though these are fictional characters, but because I'd done, you know, a lot of research to try and get a feel for who he is and what his family would have gone through. It, it felt, like a very strange personal connection when I was there, but uh, a lot of organizations are doing really good work. And I, I didn't write this to make money, and I really I've made no money from this book, but that's okay because it covers the cost of printing when people buy it, and then I can donate the rest to charity, which is kind of what I wanted to do anyway. So,
0: yeah. So I I feel like I could talk to you all day. Um, <laughs> But I know that you have other shit to do besides, you know, humoring me. Um, Do I, though? I mean, you know, being a mom and whatnot.
1: Well, Actually, my kiddo is with my ex-husband right now. So I've just got a couple of whiny dogs in the background. but, But you can probably hear him crying right now. There, oh,
0: there. I just heard him shake. I couldn't hear Check, him cry. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> why aren't you talking to me, Mom? Right. Of course, yes. The life is so hard of mm. all of pets. Um, But I do have two more questions. Yes. Um, first, I know you mentioned nerdlesque, And mm. I was curious what your favorite nerdles character is.
1: Uh, oh, ooh. <laughs> so I'm a huge Marvel nerd. Let me, mm. when I was really little i wanted to be spider-man and i still want to be (laughs) spider-man i literally have had dreams about spider-man um not sex dreams because spider-man's like your buddy he's your best friend you know daredevil's the one you want to uh or captain america or black panther you know really any of the others um Peggy Carter, I would fuck for sure. Oh. Oh uh, let me get into a threesome with Peggy and Steve, and I can die happy. I think that would be so patriotic, especially right? with you in there. That would be like the most patriotic. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I bet it would be like real kinky and like kind of nasty too. Like, yeah, they seem proper, but They're behind just closed doors, mm hmm. Be down for that. But yeah, Spidey, he's kind of like the the superhero of my childhood um I got to meet uh Tom Holland at a comic convention a few years ago and I honest to God cried after I met him because to me he is Spider-Man and I was just like <laughs> and my kiddo I was like super cute about it actually I thought they were going to tease the shit out of me but like they just gave me a hug they're like mom I'm so happy you met Spider-Man what? um it was it was it was great <laughs> one of the highlights <laughs> of my life that sounds so dirty um, so I do have a Spider-Man act and I love the costume for it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I love busting it out. The choreography is a lot of fun. It was one of those acts where it just came together almost effortlessly, which almost never happens. Oh, yeah. So it's it's very, very close to my heart. Um, I also, though, <laughs> have a Thanos act that Ooh. I did to Queen's Another One Bites the Dust, which I <laughs> Feel like it's so bad because I bawled my eyes out. All you have to say is Mr. Stark I don't feel so good and I fucking lose it. Oh like I just I'm like I can't I can't write out with this. So I did enjoy that one a lot, but there was like a certain degree of guilt that I felt doing it. <laughs> so yeah, my Spidey is definitely my favorite nerd act that I have, but I also have an Evil Dead one that is a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Uh, so I will bust out of, like, the classic 1940s aesthetic, um, occasionally. And it's usually for nerdlesque, But I also have some BTS, because I I love (laughs) K-pop. BTS, they're my boys! So I have a couple of those acts as well. But, I I don't know, yeah, I'm, my heart is never far from the Marvel Universe. Um, so... There's always something something going on. I'm working on a 1930s Captain Marvel right now. I will be debuting later this month, I think. So, Oh, that's yeah. so exciting. It's fun. I just, I love it. I love doing kind of that mashup of, you know, cosplay meets burlesque. It's so fun for me. It is. It It's so much fun. That's, like I said, it's just... Burlesque is such an
0: amazing creative outlet where you get to bring mm-hmm. all these things together and you're like it shouldn't work and maybe it
1: doesn't but it kind of does but it totally <laughs> does it, it always does, does. <laughs> somehow it does
0: yes so last and final question is mm-hmm. how can we follow and support you
1: oh that is a great question um uh so i have a website which is just missvictoryred.com i'm not the greatest at updating it i will totally put that out there. I'm getting better, but there's been so much going on in my personal life the last few months that it's just been a little haywire. So that's one place you can go. I am on Instagram uh, at Miss Victory Red. I am on Facebook at Dance Victory Red. And I just, I just listen, guys, friends, everyone. I'm old. So I just started TikTok like literally this week. I'm still figuring it out. Uh, You can find me there. I think it's at Miss Victory Red. I try to do everything that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got all of one video on there. So with my kiddo being in Boston right now with their dad, I'm kind of waiting for them to come next week so they can walk me through. Like, how how do I, how do I fucking do this? Skylar, teach me the ways of TikTok.
0: Can you actually just do it for
1: me, please? <laughs> I mean, I've considered, like, paying them to, like, put some content <laughs> together for me because their TikToks are good. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, yes, I know how to, like, film a scene. I can do lighting, like, old school styles. But then you give me the phone and the app, and I'm like, what the shit? <laughs> like, how does this work? <laughs> so, you know, pages for my book. You can find uh the novel El- if you're into ebooks really any platform that you use you'll find it if you want a print version though you do have to go through barnes and noble i think it's 9.99 so but again just remember that almost half the proceeds are going to charity so help them out um and then the second book should be released uh right now i'm looking at a deadline of about mid 2020 i think and it involves a cult oh god it's been so depressing though doing that research
0: (laughs) oh i'm sure but i i love learning about cults like every time something comes
1: out i'm like yes
0: i need to know more about this
1: yeah it's been a lot of well it's just been a lot of jonestown and charles manson and scientology Mm -hmm. and all like weird ass mormon cults and uh, yeah like last night i was like i need a fucking break let's put on a Marilyn monroe movie because i can't handle anymore right now (laughs)
0: yeah definitely definitely need those those breaks um well thank you so much miss victory i'm so happy that i was able to have you on you've been absolutely delightful you know one of the like i said i am so amazed by people who do so many things because i'm like how i don't understand (laughs) um but i also think it's really cool to see the different facets of people you know a lot of times people look at sex workers burlesque performers strippers whatever and they just say oh well they just they're just taking their clothes off like they're just hedons obviously um (laughs) and it's there's so much more to us than that and so i think it's so important that we humanize everybody you know i'm not just i'm not just an adult performer i'm also really fucking smart you know i'm in grad school and i'm i'm doing this and that i'm a business owner um and so i think it's really awesome when we get to celebrate everything that we are
1: yeah it's been a lot of fun talking to you too i'm so glad that we connected i am as well
0: Thank you so much for listening to Sybil for Sex, the show where we talk about sex, kinks, and everything between the sheets. If you like what you hear, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To see additional content from me, you can find me on Instagram at Sybil We'll see you next week.
1: Bye!